Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. I already know that you're having a fantastic summer weekend. How can you not? You're in Las Vegas. That's what we're supposed to do. And now we are going full throttle at uh, making our summer the best that it can be. We have a lot to catch up on. We've lost a whole year of not having a good time seeing friends and family and loved ones and just having some fun here. So hopefully... You're going to take an hour out of your time to spend with us. And what we're going to do is hopefully we can give you a very entertaining show because we have two guests that are quite interesting. Yes, very. Uh, I'll tell you more about, well, let me tell you this much before we take a break. Uh, one of our guests is a very talented filmmaker. He's an, a director and a screenwriter who has a brand new independent film that will be released uh, this fall, and it is a sci-fi movie. We'll tell you more about that later. And if you are a fan of the runaway hit show from Netflix, Tiger King, that just came from out of nowhere last year, you want to stay tuned because I have a guest who is directly, directly connected to Mr. Tiger King himself, Joe Exotic. So we're going to take a break, and we have auditions. We're going to have uh, some auditions for you. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get to our auditions, and then we will get to our guest. Right here with me, Dennis Malone, and Film Festival Radio Show. We'll be back in a few seconds. Up news about auditions and tryouts that could make you a star. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And just as the announcer said, we have auditions. Yes. We have auditions. I love our audition segment. So let's get right to it. We only have two. Actually, we have more, but we we just don't have the time to get all of them. We'll just kind of split them up. So let's get the first two here. Okay, here here is audition number one. If you have a really over-the-top, extremely close relationship with your mom, and you are a mom-daughter duo there. If you and your mom, if you live with your mom, you work with your mom, maybe maybe you travel with your mom, maybe you go out and party with your mom. The whole idea is that if you have a very, very, very close relationship with your mom, there is hope for you because, yeah, that show Smothered is looking for new people. They are looking for people, moms and daughters. Uh, this is great. This is a once-in-a-lifetime 
opportunity for you and your mom or your mom and your daughter or however way it is. So if you guys have an incredible bond as mom and daughter and you think that it will be very entertaining for this show, you need to listen up. New season is coming up and they're looking for people. So what you need to do is email. Email your names, you, you know, mom and daughter names, full names, the ages, what are your ages, the city and state, where you live, uh, phone number. If you have a bio, if not, put one together. Uh, any social media handles, uh, all of the, the main, the, from TikTok to Instagram, Facebook, all of those, all the major ones. Put those social media handles and recent pictures of you and mom or mom and you, just the two of you, and you will be paid if you are selected. So you need to send that information to smotheredtvcasting at gmail.com. You've seen the show on TLC. You've seen it. Smothered. They're looking for new people, and it might be you and your mom, or mom, you and your daughter. It could be you. So make sure that you... uh Again, your names, the full names, ages, city and state where you live, your full contact information, that includes your phone number, or just a little brief bio about yourself and your daughter, or daughter about your mom, uh, and your social media handles. And, you know, they kind of see what kind of social media presence that you have. And recent photos of you and your daughter, or your daughter and you. However way it goes. Smothered. You can get to be on Smothered and also get paid to do so if you are selected. So make sure you send that to smotheredtvcasting at gmail.com. Okay? All right. Second audition here. There's a new reality show they're putting together, and it's called Tough Test. And this is for people who are inventors. The show is being described as kind of like Mythbusters meets Shark Tank meets Top Gear. So somewhere in between those three, this new show, Tough Test. This is going to be, uh, they're going to shoot and tape the show in Burbank. Uh, and they're looking for people with inventions in construction, uh, buildings, engineering, uh all of that whole genre. Uh, it can be tools, materials, robotics. Uh, they're just looking for people to showcase innovative, really cool inventions. And they want people who are very passionate about being inventors. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. And they're looking all over the nation. And again, the show is called Tough Test. And they're you're an inventor. Maybe you're, you're a significant other, your child, or, or you of course, you've got to be of age, of course, and all of that. So what you need to do in a few sentences, please describe your invention, include your resume. Yeah, and if you don't have one, it, you, know, it's, you know, it's not like a corporate job or something. Just kind of sum up what, what your invention is all about, uh, who you are, what, you know, what you've been doing, and such as that. And you need to email that information to uh, Aiden at sonicgods.net. And Aiden is spelled A-I-D as in dog, A-N, at sonic, S-O-N-I-C, gods, with an S, dot net. That's Aiden at sonicgods.net. And again, this is a nationwide search 
um, for a new, you know, reality show that they're putting together. It's called Tough Test. I happen to know some people who are, their sons are audition, I mean, auditions, they are inventors. Uh, they happen to live in Houston, but I think this will be a good show for them. They don't have a lot of um, information about age requirements. I mean, I do understand that you definitely need to be at least 18 or 21 years of age and older, I, I'm assuming. But you have the email address. You can ask if you're a parent uh, to find out uh, what are the age requirements on this. But it sounds like a wonderful opportunity to showcase your talents in the world of being an inventor. Okay? All right. So we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, I will tell you all about our first guest. So stay tuned. You're listening to Film Festival Radio Show with Janice Malone. We'll be right back. Okay, everyone, uh, good luck with those auditions. I hope you do try out, and hopefully you will get selected. Please let us know. Drop us a line to let us know if you did get selected during the first round or second round or whatever the case may be. Okay, uh, let's bring up our first guest here. Our first guest is named Gino McCoy, and Gino is the director and screenwriter behind a very, very much-talked-about upcoming new sci-fi film, and the title of it is Lumina. It is the first ever sci-fi film that was shot entirely in the beautiful country of Morocco. Yes, yes, I cannot wait to find out all the details about this, uh, because, you know, when we think of Morocco, you know, we, we think of, uh, you know, kind of... Um, Oh, maybe the Maltese Falcon, or, you know, those types of movies, but never, not really sci-fi, but thanks to Gino, maybe we should reconsider. Uh, and, and then, of course, the wonderful food and the, you know, just the real exotica of uh, the, the country and such. But Gino McCoy, again, he is, is the uh, director and screenwriter of uh, this film, and they shot all of it, all of it, every single frame in Morocco. Now, the film stars Golden Globe nominee Eric Roberts, uh, Ken Lawson, and, and uh, Eleanor Williams. And they also have an Academy Award-winning film editor. His name is Tom Noble, is a part of the long list of cast and crew. I will tell you, I don't want to tell you too much, but Gina will fill in the blanks. Um, Lumina, it tells a story about... Well, it's being described as not your typical sci-fi movie that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, it's being described as, as a very bold, kind of cerebral type film. And it follows a young college graduate whose girlfriend vanishes, just poof, in a blinding flash of light. So our boyfriend guy is determined to find his girl at any cost. And in doing so, he is drawn into this really dangerous other world of crazy wild web distortions. And he's trying to find out why, what, who did this? How did it happen? How did his girlfriend disappear? And did those aliens do this again? 
We don't know, but we're going to find out because our next guest is the writer of the script and the film, Gino McCoy. So let's bring him on board and find out more details about his new film. I think it's going to be released in the fall. And the title again is uh, Lumina. So let's bring him on board right now. Okay, well, yes, Gino, it is such a pleasure to chat with you. It just sounds like that this new film that you have, uh, Lumina, is uh, your director and screenwriter, and I'm all I love sci-fi, so uh, I can't wait for this one to come out. So now I understand. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Did you you did you you guys shoot the entire film in Morocco? And if, if so, what was that like? Well, so initially we we had contemplated shooting it in um, Tunisia and um, Malta, but there was one problem with that. Um, Malta didn't have some of the locations that we needed, which were which were basically desert locations and everything else. And Tunisia um, couldn't accommodate the size, the, the, state, the size of the set builds that we're actually going to build on the stages. So we, we, have, some, we have some pretty big um, builds on our sound stages, like over 50,000 square feet of stages we built. And Tunisia couldn't accommodate that, so we, we decided to go to Morocco because, like, you know, it has such a rich history of film. You know, you know, from Ridley Scott to a, a lot of other directors I look up to have shot, you know, movies in Morocco, and they have a really good infrastructure for that. So, you know, we went to Morocco, and it wasn't easy because, you know, we're, we were actually the first Hollywood film to shoot in Morocco after the lockdown ended. And also, and also the only sci-fi film to be shot in its entirety in Moroccan cinema history. That's making some really nice history there. My goodness. Yeah. So, does Morocco have what? What is their film community like there? Is it strong or is it up and coming or or what? It's very strong. They have a history. I think they have at least a seventy-year history. Um. They've been doing yeah, going back to Casablanca, going back to you know, you know a lot of movies. They've done like you know Gladiator, everything else. So we were actually at Claw Studios in Wazazat, which um, which which is basically um, a town in the High Atlas Mountain. And um, we were at Claw Studios, and right outside of Claw Studios, when you walk into the studio lot, there's like you know Maximus's cage from Gladiator. Yes. You know, they have, they have props from Troy, you know, with Brad Pitt. So, like, you know, they, yeah. they have a rich cinema history. And and the and it's funny because a lot of the technicians and everyone in the industry are very talented, on par with the people out here in Los Angeles. So did you uh, work with any of the, the, uh, the Moroccan citizens or actors or as extras? Or, uh, yes, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I worked with a few of them on the extras and stuff like that. They were really good. Um, I cast. I cast basically some locally, um, some British ex- expats and some Moroccans that also act in, have acted in a number of films, Hollywood films that were shot over there. And it was really good working with them. I think it was it was a it was a really beautiful experience. Um, both both the crews, the cast, our service producers doing films, which which have done you know 
so many Hollywood features. They recently did um, Old Guard with Charlie Theron. They were the service production company for that. So we work with Dune. It was almost like a family thing. We came really, 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 really strong um, collaboration between us and them. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time. The technicians, everybody else was really professional. Um, we, at the same time, we were shooting at the height of COVID. Oh, so, goodness. So we were, we, were, we were actually one of the only Hollywood feature films to shoot during COVID. And um, it was it was it was difficult getting together, but like you know we were pretty organized in terms of our structure and everything mm-hmm. else, and we we were testing every week, you know you know all the PPE and protocols, everything else that was going on. So um, it was really good, and uh, we managed to um, get through that, you know. And we were we were the only film that shot it in its entirety in Morocco in that year, you know. So. You know, a lot of people are really happy because we brought a lot of jobs to the economy. Um, you know, we brought over a lot of crews from Canada and the U.S. Um, we had a number of circumstances happen that delayed production and everything else, but we managed to get over those obstacles. Some really, really demanding and some really, really challenging obstacles that we had to overcome. Um, you know, we had our U.K. crew. Larry Smith was my DP at the time, and, you know, he is... His He's known for his collaborations with Stanley Kubrick. And he went back to the UK during the Christmas break and he was and he was scheduled to come back on the second of January. And I flew in my my friend um Gabriel Berstein who's uh who's a famous DP in LA. He shot he just shot Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson. He was very busy, but he sent um one of his understudies actually, um, Raquel Gallego who was my DP, who came over to, like, shoot during that time that Larry went back to the U.K. because we were trying to make our schedule. And sadly, um, a second strain happened in the U.K. So Larry and my entire camera team could not come back to Morocco because they they closed all the borders in Europe to the U.K. and also from Morocco. So I I ended up shooting the movie with, with Raquel, which went really well. So, you know, Larry was very disappointed, so was I. So hopefully we're going to collaborate, like, you know, in the future. But um, it, it was it was crazy facing the obstacles during COVID. And, um, but we managed to finish. And I shot the movie in 29 days. You know, it was scheduled for 25, but I took an extra four days because of delays and everything else. And weather, you know, we were shooting... You know, in the desert, in the in the Sahara, it was in the Western Sahara, and it was you know zero degrees Celsius at nighttime, and you know we were shooting till four, five, six o'clock in the morning some days, and it was like we we're dealing with a lot of extremes. I would say. It sounds so like it. Oh goodness. Well, and the actors, and the actors, you know, were really, you know, were really. They did a really, really great job dealing with all of those conditions, you know what I mean, in terms of the weather conditions and everything else. And you know, we enjoyed our time, and, you know, I, I think they loved it. And, you know, it was interesting because Eric Roberts is on the film, and um, Eric flew over for like four days and spent some time, and we had a great time. He loved Morocco, just like the other crew and cast. And, um, yeah, he had a really great time. His role was really, really significant for the film, and I enjoyed working with him. 
and we developed a bond when we were working there. And you know, he said he wants to do some more movies with me and everything else. So I'm really excited about that. You know, it's always great to like you know work with actors that like really appreciate you as a director because I I, I would consider myself an actor's director because you know I know all the techniques you know I know the whole entire method and in the craft itself and I've studied it so you know I understand where they're coming from I know I know how to extract performances from actors so my casting director was really happy about that and that's what really impressed her about me because this is my debut film this is my first feature film as a director so. It was, it was quite interesting shooting during COVID and completing it and everything else. You know, at times a lot of people thought we wouldn't finish, but we did. You know, thank God. What, an, was, what an ambitious challenge for this being your first feature film as a director, but you overcame all of it. My goodness. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Jan. Mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, it was divine, I think, you know. God mm-hmm. was there with us, you know, and the fact of, you know, my mom and my dad, who are also producers on the project, Linda and Hudson McCoy, you know, and my mom basically having such a strong finance background coming from Canada. So she put together, like, you know, the financing and everything else independently because we're an independent film. You know, with our very good friend, David Seisho, who was, you know, worked with us and, like, he's a very close family friend. And his story is also amazing, too, because three weeks before I was supposed to fly out to Morocco, he was visiting us because he's a producer on the film, and he was coming out to arrange everything with Linda, my mom. And he flies his own private plane, and it's a prop. And basically when he was taken off um, in Colorado at one of the airports, one of the, small, one of the small airports in Colorado, his plane crashed. Oh, goodness, no. And a third of his body was burned. He had to, he basically jumped out of the, airplane, his body was on fire. He um, was airlifted to the University of Colorado Hospital, and God saved him. Definitely. You know, he, he, you know, a lot of the people on the runway and air traffic control, everyone else said that it was a miracle that he survived the crash. And it's so funny because one of, one of, the, one of the few things that survived the crash was his, his producer's agreement with us. For, for this film. Everything else burns. That's amazing. That's Oh, that's so scary. I'm so glad that he survived it. I, I remember yeah, years and years ago, I've been on a prop plane one time, and I was so scared. <laughs> it was a short trip. I was just like, I don't ever want to do this again. That's been 20 years ago. <laughs> well, uh-uh, nah. Can't do it. So we flew out. So we flew out to the University of Colorado Hospital and was there for two weeks with him. Yeah. And he got he got um, taken back by a private jet to Toronto because he's from Canada. Because we're originally from Canada, mm-hmm. from Toronto, and um, he stayed there to recover there. And you know he he supported us all the way through in terms of finishing the film. And the interesting tid- tidbit is um, Christopher Plummer was attached to play Eric Roberts' role in the movie. Oh, before. no, really? Oh, man, Christopher Plummer, yes, yes. So Christopher Christopher was, was a good friend of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, he was attached to play the role. But with the whole COVID, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't travel at his age. Sure. You know, to travel yeah. to Morocco to perform the role, so... He spoke to us, he gave us his blessing and everything else. He gave me his blessing. And 
it was it was so sad because a week after I rapped is when he passed away. Yeah. So in general. Such so it was legend. so it was interesting. But 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 Eric did an amazing job, you know what I mean? I guess, you know, that's that's that that, that was basically God's plan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it was it was such a it was such a strange turn of events with this entire movie and shooting it and everything else because for first time producing on a feature, I mean, I've shot music videos, short films and stuff, but and and been asked to do, you know, high-end commercials and everything else, but this is my first feature film and to, to do it in such a, a trying time in the world, I think it was an amazing feat. You know, a lot of people say that too, yeah. what we did. Most definitely. Well, now we've we've got some wonderful stories about the the backstory of the making of Lumina. So tell us, since you are the screenwriter, tell us the storyline. And we know it's a sci-fi type genre, but what's the storyline? Um, it's it's about a few. It's a it's about um a couple who are in love, and his girlfriend is abducted. By aliens. Okay, man. And and the friends and him don't know how to deal with it because it's something so supernatural and extraterrestrial that you know it's unexplainable. And he becomes overly obsessed and gets into conspiracy theories and everything else. And he goes looking for her. And when he goes looking for her, he ends up he ends up getting himself into a lot of trouble with his friends. It's like a rabbit hole he goes down. Oh. Yeah, when your girlfriend or your boyfriend gets abducted by aliens, it's not a good thing. It usually isn't. I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't. You know, so it was, um, you know, for me it was kind of like I was I was examining the whole psychological, you know, effect of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, the psychological effect it would have on, the ensemble cast in terms of like, you know, how they would relate to it, how they would deal with it, how they would approach a situation like that, how it would affect them in their everyday lives. And also the journey. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's interesting that Eric um, said to me, he's like, and on my IG there's a few interviews with him talking about it, about the movie Illumina. And he said that this is one of the few scripts he's read where you could actually read the characters and they're all different and they all have a voice. He's like, it's rare to get that in nowadays, you know, because sometimes he's like, you read the script and all the actors sound the same. The characters are the same. So he was really impressed with my writing in terms of my ability to flesh out the characters and have the backstories and have everyone have a unique voice. And, you know, that's that's something interesting about this film because I think a lot of people are going to love it because it's a love story. It, it has some horror, it has some action, and, has, and it's sci-fi. And it involves, you know, a young group of people that, you know, go through a certain circumstance and a certain, you know, unexpected twist in their lives, and they have to learn how to deal with that and, you know, overcome those those obstacles, overcome those feelings and emotions and try to figure out what's going on because, you know, the government and the police are not helping. So that's Lumina, I guess, in a nutshell. Well, now, since this is a sci-fi and it's about, you know, somewhat about ETs and such, have you ever seen an ET or maybe any of the cast or crew, any kind of alien craft sightings abducted by aliens? You have? Twice. Really? Tell me about it. Uh, one, one was basically I was, I was driving back with my parents and my aunt, my uncle from, 
my aunt's house, um, which is a little way off into, like, the country and um, outside of Toronto. Okay. Um, it's a little town called Guelph. You know, they have Guelph University and stuff like that there. And we were driving back, and we saw a very bright light in the sky that was following us for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and then uh, eventually disappeared. Ooh. And those roads are very dark, and those roads are country roads. Mm-hmm. The second time I saw a craft, interestingly enough, is when I was um, in my in my place downtown, in downtown L.A., close to, like, Staples Center. Um, but was, I was on, like, I think the 12th or 15th floor. I can't remember what it was. And um, there's, you know, when you look out, you look towards the mountains, basically, and you can see Nabu Mountains and everything else and, like, Hollywood Hills. In the distance, there was, like, a silver craft, like, basically moving very, very slow in the distance. It didn't, and it wasn't shaped or looked anything close to, like, um, um, a commercial craft or mm-hmm. a fighter jet or anything else, and the shape was it was like a it was like almost like an oval shape craft, silver in the sky, and it was going very very slow. And you know I was watching it for about a minute and a half, and then you know I'm talking about I didn't take my eyes off of it, and then it disappeared in the distance. That's wild. That is so silver wild. craft, yeah. There was also there was also another instance too as well when I was um, flying to London, and I had the um, the window seat, mm-hmm. and um, I looked out, and, and and you know you know like seven four seven and stuff like that they they go at four to five hundred miles per hour, you know that's their cruising altitude, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the cruising speed, and um, and they're at a very high altitude. So, like, when I looked out, when I looked out, like, you know, my window in the aircraft, you know, the plane, um, you know, the cloud cover is below you, basically, because mm-hmm. you're, you're above the cloud cover sometimes. And I could see this silver craft that shaped almost like a stealth, and it was going probably about four times the speed of what, what our, our plane was going as well. Oh, my goodness. And then I, I, tried to put my, I, tried to put my, I tried to put my phone out to get um, an actual video of it, and I didn't catch it. I just caught part of the cloud because it already had taken off already. But it was silver, it was shaped like a stealth, and it was nothing I've ever seen before. Not, it wasn't a fighter jet, it wasn't anything. You know, it was more mm-hmm. like triangular. And so I, there's actually, actually it was three times. It was, it was about three times I've seen stuff like that. I wish I could just see one one time. I have always wanted to see something like that, and I so far I have not. That would be exciting for me. Well, it would actually. You know, you know, the interesting thing about it is, like, also going back to the movie, is, you know, the fact that I'm examining people's reactions mm-hmm. to it psychologically, which, you know, you don't really see in, like, everyday, in, every, in a person's everyday life. It's something that you don't normally experience, right? So how do you deal with it? And... Prior to me shooting the movie, I'd reached out to MUFON. And MUFON, if you don't know, is the group that, that studies extraterrestrials and people that have been abducted and eyewitness accounts. And they're, they're a specialized group in the United States that deals with a lot of this stuff. And I spoke to them. And a lot of the executive board are former, like, you know, military, Navy, Air Force, um, people that have been cited, like, you know, in 
the police force, everything else. And I actually spoke to three people that have been abducted, claimed to be a to, be, uh, to have been abducted, and they spoke about their experience. Very normal people. They, they're not suffering from mental illness. They're very average people, and they've experienced these type of things. One, one experience was a Marine who was on a mission with 12, 12 of his colleagues uh, for the military, and they came across a craft in the woods. What? And, oh, goodness. <laughs> and he told me about it, and... You know, this guy is very normal. He doesn't suffer from PTSD. He's not, he doesn't have any mental illness, nothing like that. And he experienced something like this, basically, while he was in the military, while he was a Marine. And, you know, stuff like that. And I talked to MUFON, and they, they were happy with the fact that I wasn't ridiculing people that have claimed to have been abducted. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they gave me access to a lot of these people and I have access to their board and everything else. So, you know, this stuff is real. It has happened. People have been affected by it. So I wanted to go, so I wanted to actually delve deeper into the psychological effects of this and how it affects people. And that's, that's what, that's where I drew a lot of my inspiration from with this movie. Well, finally, where and when can we see Lumina? Right now we're in post-production, so we're doing VFX and the sound. So we're in post, doing post-sound. Okay. So I'm hoping to complete it in the next month or two, and I'm hoping, and we're talking to all the studios and everywhere else, so I'm hoping it's going to be, you know, on a platform release, like, you know, on Netflix, or like we're going to have a, a wide theatrical release um, in the fall. Okay, absolutely. So we will uh, definitely want you to come back. Uh, we will catch up too. Okay. Yeah, once I come back and everything else, I'll, I'll let you know. And email me whenever you have time so, like, you know, stay in touch. I'll let you know what's going on with the movie. Okay, I would love that. So thank you again. All, all, my, all my publicists, all my publicists will let you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been you. working with them for years. Yes, absolutely. Definitely so. Okay, well, take care thank now. You so much, take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, and this is our final segment for this week's show. Well, listen, if you are a fan of celebrity auctions and maybe you just love to go purchase and, uh, you know, famous celebrity shoes or posters from films or just whatever it is, anything celebrity, if that's your thing, listen up. And if those people out there who are fans of the hit Netflix show, the Tiger King from last year. You need to listen up. And we know, if I'm not mistaken, I think over 75 million fans uh, are fans of the Tiger King show. So this, this guest is just for you because the Tiger King himself, Joe Exotic, is currently having an NFT auction in partnership with the renowned cryptocurrency company, More. 
Joe is now the first felon to utilize the blockchain technology from prison. Yeah, and so what he's doing is, again, having this uh, auction of celebrity items from the Tiger King show. Let me give you more about uh, information about it. The auction is uh, taking place right now, and what that is uh, all about is that the public now has access and privileges to purchase actual, unique, one-of-a-kind items from the hit Tiger King show using blockchain technology. Now, this auction consists of some of the items from the show and also items that belong to Joe Exotic himself personally. There are 3D renderings sold alongside of real-life tangible items. Some of the collectible items include Joe's favorite pistols and holsters that we saw, uh, various items, and uh, I should say jackets that we saw him wear on the show. Oh, Rachel Starr, her bikini, that's up for auction. I hope it's still there if they haven't bought it already. Um, digital artworks are available. Tokens also are available. And as I said, this auction is taking place right now. It started on June 18th. It's still going on, and there's still plenty of time that you can get in on the fun and Maybe have some of these items as a part of your collection. The public can go visit this website, officialtigerkingnft.com, and you can place your bids, officialtigerkingnft.com. You can place your bids. You can get all of the information that you need about how to go about this. Well, as I said, Joe, of course, is still in prison, but his attorney is our guest. His attorney is uh, Brad Small. He's an acclaimed, renowned uh, entertainment attorney uh, with the law firm Rosenfeld, Meyer, and Sussman, LLP, in California. And he is waiting on hold right now to come on board to tell us more about this Tiger King celebrity auction and about how the Tiger King Joe Exotic himself is doing since he's been uh, behind bars. So let's bring uh, Brad on our uh, guest line here. Let's get all into the details, and we'll take it from there. So let's bring on Brad right now. And listeners out there, I am ready. I have been talking about the appearance of our guest who's online here. His name is Brad Small, and uh, he is a very highly acclaimed uh, entertainment attorney uh, for Rosenfeld, Meyer, and Sussman, LLP. So, Brad, welcome to the show, and thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me here. Now, um, our show, of course, is based in Las Vegas. Uh, are you guys based in Vegas or L.A. or both cities, or just where are you? Beverly Hills, California. Oh, uh, you can't get any more L.A. than that now, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right to it uh, here, Brad. Uh, in addition to being a very uh, acclaimed and established entertainment attorney, you have a very famous client, um, by the name of Joe Exotic, uh, Mr. Tiger King himself, and you are his attorney and spokesperson. Uh, before we get into the meats and bones and grit of uh, our, our chat, uh, give us a rundown on how did you first meet Joe? Let me start off by saying we can get into this. Uh, over 64 million households watched the Tiger King during the pandemic last year on Netflix, 
the number one show on that platform for the entire year. Um, I was one of those people who watched the show briefly the first time, like five or so minutes, didn't really get hooked. And I thought about it some more, and a week later, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. So I saw the episodes, and um, that was it. I was hooked. And lo and behold, two months later, I was called by an attorney who did not want to represent the Tiger King and asked me if I wanted to. And I said, definitely. I said, when it comes to representing individuals uh, with all the different opportunities that could present itself, themselves, um, that's so my wheelhouse. Whether it's Eva Longoria, she acts, she writes books, she does charity, or it's uh, Nick Pelleggi does TV, does movies. Well, it's athletes who do um, also stuff on the entertainment side, guest appearances, also do sports work but also do books. You know, people, the common trait of most of my clients is that it's great if they do one thing, but it just seems like they all do three or four or five things. And Joe seemed to be, even though he's still in prison, he's one of those one of those people, one of those individuals. So I said I would love to work with Joe. And that brings me to the whole uh, root of our conversation for today. Uh, as the world knows, as you mentioned, Joe is in prison. Now, is he in prison in where? what location, what city, state, I should say? Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, Fort Worth. I never would have thought. Fort Worth. Okay, that's my stomping ground, former stomping ground. Uh, now, he is, there is an, uh, an auction that is going on. It started uh, just a few days ago, June 18th. Um, it is a part of the, the blockchain technology, uh, NFT. I understand that this is, Joe is the first felon to enter into the blockchain technology from a prison doing, using this technology. Um, so fans can, can bid and, and partake and purchase, uh, some of these collectible items from the show or it explained, especially using the blockchain technology, how is this done for people who are not quite familiar with NFT technology? Well, take, take a step back in. After the show came out, one of the things, uh, I was tasked to do first is go after, well, a day didn't go by where I did not receive an email with a picture of a consumer product item, whether it's a bobblehead or a, a Christmas tree ornament, whatever it was, that Joe's name and likeness were used, that he didn't authorize, he didn't receive any money from, he didn't get permission. I mean, nothing. So lo and behold, one of those things that he also did not authorize was an NFT auction, which I believe was December or January by one of those unauthorized uh, parties. And um, actually it was Peter at uh, Moore company called me up and said, did you know about this auction? Did you know about NFTs on this? And I said, I had no idea. Thanks for letting me know about this. He said, do you think, so after sending cease and desist letters and using social media to take care of this um, uh, wannabe auction, uh, um, we uh, we talked about doing uh, doing an official auction uh, for Joe, and that's lo and behold how it all came together. Now I see where in my notes that this auction is 
made, being done and made available through Mintable, this company called Mintable. Tell everybody a little bit about Mintable and what is the procedure? How can they bid on some of these items? Well, you go on the website. It's MintableApp.com, and you can bid using, if you already have a wallet in the cryptocurrency world, uh, which contains Bitcoin or Ethereum, or frankly, if you have a credit card, you can bid on the items. And what they'll do is they'll convert the credit card to a uh, a cryptocurrency, and then you can bid bid that way. And whether it's uh, Joe's revolver when he was a sheriff, uh, his holster, his eclectic uh, wardrobe that he wore during the series, you can have the opportunity to to bid on that. You know, one thing that's interesting, when you ask about how we got into cryptocurrency, well, one reason was because they're all, there are all these unauthorized people all around the world who are making money using the name and likeness of Joe and products and services who didn't get the permission, didn't get the consent. And I was, I received a call from a man in Australia several months ago who said, or he asked me, would Joe like to be an endorsed? the first official um, Tiger King coin. And I said, yes, he would. And that coin that he endorses is the dollar symbol T-K-I-N-G. So the money that comes into Joe goes to Tiger Rescue, goes to his legal defense fund, uh, and that's been going on for a couple months. And uh, the community, the cryptocurrency community, as uh, they use Telegram as the service they use to communicate, uh, is amazing in terms of being so supportive and everything for Joe. And so this uh, started as uh, uh, June 18th. So how long, how much longer will it uh, last that people can go and bid? I mean, as people are still interested in this, because people are just finding out about the auction, frankly, this is what? A little bit more than a work week. Yeah. Um, so I would say at least a month from what I gather. Okay. That gives people plenty of time. I think people are in a, a good mood because they're getting out, uh, can get out again and party and celebrate and shop and such. So this is a good time for something like this, especially with that big of a fan base. Uh, this show is just a runaway hit. Uh are you allowed to say um, the projections about about how much you think that this will bring in or, or, or what? That would be wrong because I have absolutely no no idea as to uh, uh, how much someone, for instance, would pay for the revolver. Um, uh, I mean, it really is these items are going to gravitate or they're going to the, – the fans of Joe – are going to feel them, and I don't know the uh, the auction. The value depends on what people, what the market will bear. So I have no idea. Uh, I understand that there are some some specific. I know you mentioned about the pistol, the holsters, and things like that. But there are some digital artworks. Yes. Uh, can you just tell us maybe a, a small list of what's available? Yeah, glad you brought that up. Um, there are a number of his. Um, uh, most well-known uh, Tiger Sarge uh, with with Joe. There are also his his like monkey that uh, uh, was always with him and around. Um, and what else? Uh, uh, 
and various uh, cast members in the show. But um, no, the digital art is, is really well done, really, really impressive. Man, I would like to get in on some of this myself. <laughs> That's just saying. Uh, it's a great way. It really is a great way for Joe to reach his supporters through this while he's in prison. I mean, people can go out, they can do this all online, and, uh, you know, he's in prison serving his, uh, serving his sentence. So it's a great way to connect to, um, to those out supporting him. Now, I'm looking at my notes here uh, on some other items on the list. Uh, authentic audio recordings from yes. prison of Joe. What is he saying to fans? What, what, are, what, what are they going to hear? Well, he, in his own words, what NFT stands for, uh, never forget Tiger, the Tigers. I mean, that's the whole point of the, uh, one of the points of the, uh, the auction and the cryptocurrency, uh, the Tiger King point that's out there is, uh, to benefit, um, the Tiger Rescue and, uh, habitats and whatnot. But, uh, so never forget the Tigers. He really believes, believes in that. And then, there's also another cryptocurrency that spun off the Tiger King coin, which is called uh, dollar sign CUB, the cup coin. And that's because uh, children in the zoo, there was a big tie and, uh, with them in terms of the effect it would have on them in terms of uh, those who had diseases or ailments, things like that. And they could go to the zoo, see the tigers. Uh, so the money is going to go to ch- children's hospitals. So that's the cup point. So he's a big believer in the cryptocurrency. He's become a big believer. And so uh, I have a couple of fans wanted me to ask you this. They are big fans of the show, wanted to know, uh, overall, um, under the circumstances, how is Joe holding up? How is he doing? I mean, he's holding up pretty well in the sense of there are so many people out there supporting him. Uh rooting for him and um, advocating on his behalf, whether it's signing a petition uh, to get a Biden, for, uh, Biden the administration, uh, and Kamala Harris to get that, uh, that petition, hopefully, or whether it's to uh, lessen the sentence, um, uh, whether it's, you know, purchasing items from his official for- store, uh, joeexoticusa.com. Oh, also another way to get on the, uh, the auction is, uh, the official Tiger King NFT.com. But again, that's another way to show your support for Joe and um, while he's still in prison. Okay, and that website again is official Tiger King, King NFT.com. NFT.com. That's, that's it. And this is going to, again, this auction that's is going to go on for a month at least. Yes, at least, yeah, that's the best way to get to it. Okay, and, and yeah. so as I wrap this up here, um, how are some of the other inmates, do they, maybe they didn't get to watch Tiger King last year. Do they realize, you know, what a celebrity he is out here in public? Very, very supportive. Okay. Very supportive of Joe. I mean, one of his uh, causes, too, is uh, justice reform and uh, prison reform and that. And uh, the, other, the other inmates are very supportive of Joe, which has been, which has been really helpful. That's very good. That's very no, good. You know, trying to, you know, get, uh, I mean, it was reported uh, a long time ago that his, uh, I think it's called the PSI level, whatever it was, was very high and was at risk of uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
a cancerous risk, and uh, oh. that's being monitored. And you know, it's very hard to get the uh, the testing and everything done in prison to get things done. But uh, you know, that competing with uh, you know, also not competing with, but the, the the good feeling he has from all the support. Uh, I mean, at the same time, I mean, he's been in prison. His father and mother passed away since mm-hmm. since he's been in prison, so that's been very difficult. Are there plans to do, uh, I know there's always the unauthorized books, but uh, does Joe have any plans to do his own full-fledged direct yes. from him? He does? Okay. Sold to Simon & Schuster. Oh. Last year, it is coming out November 5th. Very good question. Okay. Coming out, Joe Exotic, The Tiger King, his memoir. Uh, last week in Forbes magazine, an article on Joe, um, reached a, a deal uh, for cannabis in California, Colorado, and its home state of Oklahoma. We'll have a strain, uh, the Joe Exotic, exotic strain of cannabis for especially medicinal purposes. That's, that's the intent. Um, it, uh, so there are things able to help people that he's able to do from, from behind bars. With everything opening back up, has there been talk of, of a, a, a Tiger King festival, Tiger King conferences, you know? That, that seems to be so huge now with these niche genre uh, type events. Is any talk of that? There's been some talk of that. I mean, obviously, he, he needs to get out of prison before he can show up, but, uh, but there is talk of that always. Yeah, that will probably, with this fan base, be as big as Comic-Con, I'm sure. Yeah. It's all yeah. said and done. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, now, uh, if people want to write directly to Joe, is that possible? What do they need to do? Go on his um, website, uh, joeexoticusa.com, and there will be an address there as to uh, in terms of how to write him. And he answers back. He's very... Uh, very in touch with the people who write him. That's good to know because, you know, with celebrities, sometimes people may want to try to reach them and they think maybe somebody intercepts their mail or whatever, even in this type of a situation. So, um, okay, that's good to know. So, but in the meantime, if they want to participate in the auction, officialtigerkingnft.com. Uh, I can only imagine the traffic going there, probably fans, obviously, from around the world bidding on uh, these items. Uh, from Australia and England. England loves the Tiger King, so uh, it's amazing. I was just very shocked. Were you guys, uh, now that you're working with them, were you, was Joe as surprised at, the, at what a runaway hit this show was? You know what? I don't think so. I don't think so. He always he really really is a strong believer in uh, in himself um, and in terms of what he does out. See, see, uh, I don't think he was shocked. Well, I tell you, it's happy. That's right. Happy. happy. Okay. Very uh-huh. happy. That's obviously, sure. obviously. So, well, uh, any closing remarks you'd like to add for people to know? Uh, tune in. I mean, we'll see if uh, the second season of Tiger King comes out this year. Uh, buy Joe's book, uh, and also you can pre pre purchase it on the uh, JoeExoticUSA.com site. Um, 
and that's a good place to get it. And uh, I know I'm definitely going to get it and read it and want to know how did how did Joe become the Tiger King? I mean, that's I want to know. I would read that. I that that's really my question because when I knew anything that was this show, everybody was buzzing about it, and I said, well, let me tune in and see what this is about. It just kind of came out of nowhere. So this book will tell us. Obviously, the entire story of uh, all of this, and so you, we can get it now, pre-orders. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, that'll probably be it's sold. Time, out. It's Simon and Schuster, so this isn't any self-publishing or uh, rinky-dink, uh, rinky-dink operation. So. Okay. So yeah, you can't, can't get any bigger than Simon and Schuster. That's for sure. Well, anyway, uh, Brad, again, thank you so much for the chat, giving us some insight uh, about this celebrity auction uh, through Mintable and the uh, whole NFT technology and giving us some details behind the scenes about how Joe is, is doing. And so that's good to know. So thank you so much for your time. No, Janet, thank you for having me on today. Well, hopefully when the book officially comes out, if you are going to be the spokesperson, I'd love to have you to come back on. I would love to. I would love to. Okay. I'd love love Las Vegas. I would love to. Well, maybe we can just meet up somewhere here (laughs) in Vegas. Exactly. We'll meet We'll just do that. Well, thank you again so much. So have a great rest of the weekend here. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Really fascinating information there uh, about Joe Exotic. Uh, so, again, if you would like to get in on this auction, you can do so. Get all of the information, as Brad had said. Uh, go to officialtigerkingnft.com. And there you will find everything that you need to see what items are left. I understand there are a long list of items that are still there. And again, this auction started on June 18th, but it's going to, according to uh, what the attorney said, extend all the way for at least another month. So that's a lot of items there. So anyway, if you're a big fan of Tiger King, this is your opportunity to own a piece of the items, the memorabilia items, probably are going to be worth a lot one day. Okay, so that's going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. We took you around the world. We went from Morocco to Hollywood with the auditions to Tiger King land as well. And we got it all into one show. And I want to thank our guests for being on this week's edition of Film Festival Radio. And always, always, thank you guys for listening as you do so faithfully uh, since we started the show. Have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week on another edition of the show. Have fun, stay safe, and we'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.